Good morning, again. <laughs> um, we're going to continue our sermon series this morning um, called Margin uh, to the Middle, looking at how Jesus welcomes uh, and embraces those who were marginalized uh, and excluded by society and brought them right into the heart uh, of God's activity um, and demonstrated God's heart for them. Graham introduced the series a few weeks ago, looking at the, uh, the honor-shame culture that existed at, uh, at the, in Jesus' day. Um, we then looked at the story of uh, Zacchaeus, um, the Gerasene demoniac, uh, and last week Louise helped us to explore um, the story of Mary Magdalene. This morning we're looking, uh, as Anne read, at the healing of the ten unnamed lepers. So let's pray. O oh Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for you because, you, uh, because of your great love uh, for us. Amen. Have you ever been made to feel like a leper, like a social leper? Have, you, have people avoided you? Um, or made you feel embarrassed because of something that you've done um, or something that's happened to you. Um, I remember years ago at school, um, we had to play football, and I didn't like football. I was tall, even then. <laughs> so I was always placed in goal. Obvious place to put me. And I really didn't understand the rules uh, of football. Um, I did understand the fact that you had to get the ball in the goal. What I didn't like was the fact that this large, wet, heavy football would come flying towards me on a winter morning. And generally, I dived out the way. Um, I was pretty useless at football. Um, and as Many of us probably um, have memories of, of being at school and being the last one to be chosen for the team. That was me. <laughs> um, so I felt a bit like a pariah. Um, I hated sport. As soon as I could find a sport where my height came in useful, like rowing, I was happy. You could also sit down rowing, which was even better, <laughs> till I discovered it's one of the most strenuous sports you can do. But but excluding people, that's a fairly trite uh, example. I um, am old enough um, to have lived through the, the 1980s, and um, those of you who have also lived through that time will remember that that was a time when AIDS first came on the scene, this unknown disease that seemed to affect um, homosexuals and haemophiliacs, uh, various people. And it became known as the, the gay plague. And the gay community were ostracized. People were incredibly fearful. Uh, it was a pandemic that went round the world. And the gay community here were excluded. Um, and uh, I, um, uh, at that time, uh, wanted to do something to help. So I was part of a, a Christian organization that uh, went into people's houses who were suffering from AIDS, who were dying from AIDS, um, to offer them uh, just assistance and help to show them God's love uh, and God's care. But it was a horrendous time for that community. Um, they were um, excluded. They were the lepers uh, of, of that time. So let's read the passage again. 
Luke says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So where are we going to be heading with this talk? I mean, normally this passage um, is, is used to talk about thanksgiving, about being thankful uh, to God, but I don't want to, to emphasize and focus on that aspect this morning. First of all, you might be wondering why the lepers were calling out to Jesus for mercy, what was, what was going on there. So we look at that. We look at the demand for holiness and purity in the Old Testament, the breaking in of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, and then we'll conclude by looking at God's generous welcome to all through faith in Jesus. So, so why were these lepers calling out to Jesus, uh, to this rabbi, have mercy on us? Well, we need to head back to the Old Testament, to the laws of the Old Testament, um, and those laws, which we find in the book of Leviticus, the third book of the Old Testament, um, are all about ritual purity, about what's clean and what's unclean, what's acceptable to God, and who can come into the presence of God in the sanctuary, in the temple. Now, Leviticus is not a particularly easy read. Uh, it begins by setting out a, a lot of rules about worship in the sanctuary, in the, in the temple, how the priests were to operate, and the offerings and sacrifices that were to be made. But then, in the, in the middle of the book, the focus shifts to uh, a more domestic sphere, the sphere of, of everyday life. And these purity laws emphasize that the way that one lives outside the sanctuary are just as important as the way that you bring your offerings and your worship to God in the sanctuary. God's expectations of holiness are all-encompassing. See, the community of Israel had to be fit for life in the presence of God. And in chapter 13 of the book of Leviticus, skin diseases are dealt with at considerable length. Um, and um, Seven different skin diseases are identified. And if you had a, a skin disease, um, you had to present yourself to the priest to determine um, what it was, whether it was an issue or not. And so the priest would, would look at the skin condition and he would um, decide if it was a, a, a swelling uh, or an eruption uh, or just a shiny spot. And if the symptoms um, had turned the person's hair white, and the affected area was, was deeper than the skin, then the priest would declare that person ceremonially unclean. They could not go to the sanctuary. Um, they could not go to the temple to worship. If the hair was not white, uh, or the affected area wasn't deeper than the, the, the skin, the priest would quarantine that person for 14 days. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, and then, after seven days, the priest would review the condition. 
Um, and he would do it again after 14 days. And if the condition hadn't spread, um, if it stayed the same or if it had, had, had lessened, then he would declare the person ceremonially clean. And then the person had to go and wash his clothes or her clothes, um, and then they could resume normal life. They could go back to the sanctuary to worship God. But if the condition had spread, that person was unclean. And it was pretty grim for the person since... The rules of Leviticus required that the person declared to be unclean had to tear their clothes, dishevel their hair, cover their mouth, and cry out, unclean, unclean, to passers-by. A declaration that they knew that they had become repugnant to the community, and they had to live as exiles outside the camp, outside the village. Crying out, unclean, unclean, to the passers-by was to warn them so that they didn't accidentally touch them, because if they did that, then the passerby too would be defiled and would become unclean. The unclean, these people with, with skin diseases, were isolated from their community, banished from the sanctuary, where participation in worship define the fullness of life in God. The unclean lived in a place of deprivation, shame and abandonment. They literally were the living dead. And the only thing standing between them and their final departure to the grave of the, of the forgotten is the very ritual that created their exclusion in the first place. Their condition, of course, might improve. The hope was that it would. And that one day the priest would declare those words of restoration, you are clean. But until then they had to wait in isolation and hope. There was of course no doubt a desire to protect the community from a potentially contagious disease, but symbolically the reason for all these rules is that unclean skin diseases make the body seem as if it's rotting away. And if left unchecked could lead to the person's death. And Leviticus commanded the Israelites to avoid the carcasses of, of dead animals. That would make you unclean as well. And, and so, too, they had to avoid defilement by contact with the disintegrating human body. The danger being that if too many became unclean, Israel itself would collapse. It would no longer be a holy community, a nation set apart for the worship of the one true God, no longer an effective witness to the surrounding nations. A leper was therefore an outcast, someone society had rejected. But it is important, I think, to note that the issue in Leviticus was always, is the person clean or unclean? It was about ritual purity. It wasn't about what the person had done. It wasn't about whether the person had sinned. Now, skin disease might be a consequence of someone sinning, but not necessarily. And Leviticus never makes that connection. The trouble, of course, is that people make such connections. If you're living outside the camp, if you're not blessed by God, if you remember in the Old Testament, um, being wealthy, being healthy, was a sign of God's blessing on you. So if you weren't healthy if you were being excluded, then there must be something wrong. It's easy to make that, that connection. That somehow the leper was at fault. But that's not, not the case at all. 
And so this is perhaps why the healing of those described as lepers in the New Testament was such a major part of Jesus' ministry. We read about Jesus healing lepers in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You may recall that Jesus, when asked by um, John the Baptist's messengers, are you the Messiah, replied, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. When Mary broke that alabaster jar and spent that incredibly expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet, she did so, if you remember, at the house of Simon the leper. Now, presumably, he's actually Simon the ex-leper, because otherwise they'd all be ritually defiled. And, um, so, presumably, Simon the leper was someone who Jesus had healed previously. And when Jesus first sends out the 12 apostles on, the, on their first mission, he commands them in this way. He says, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And in the, um, the first reported healing of a leper in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, the unnamed leper comes to him, bows with his face to the ground, and he begs Jesus, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do choose. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And in that account, we see there was a clear expression of faith or trust in Jesus to make him clean. But in our reading today, it's very curious because the ten lepers simply call out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. There seems to be no specific prayer for their healing, no laying on of hands, simply a command in accordance with the laws of Leviticus to show themselves to the priest. I suspect they probably thought, great, thanks for that, Jesus. Yes, we know we're supposed to show ourselves to the priest to be declared clean. Do you really think we're going to go and humiliate ourselves again for the umpteenth time to be told, sorry, you're unclean? And yet, as they went, they were made clean. So what was going on? God the Father through the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, was making it clear that all are welcome in the kingdom of God. And there's often no need for a declaration of faith on our part, other than a willingness, perhaps in desperation, to throw ourselves on the mercy and grace of our Heavenly Father. And in our act of abandonment to his mercy, our healing will often come although perhaps not as dramatically as being cleansed of a defiling skin disease. When I worked in Hong Kong with heroin addicts, they would um, come to um, our street meetings and be fascinated to see friends of theirs who they knew had been heroin addicts, who were now fat, who looked healthy. And they'd say, what's going on? Why are you fat? And their friends would say, Jesus makes you fat. <laughs> and they'd think, that's a bit weird. Who's Jesus? And they'd say, well, come with us to this meeting. And they'd take them along to a meeting, and the gospel would be preached to them. 
and they will begin to learn. They will open themselves up to the Holy Spirit. And as they went through the program that we provided, where we prayed for them, they would experience detox from heroin without any pain, without having to take drugs. Um, all of them had been to prison. All of them knew what cold turkey coming off heroin without drugs was like. The fact that they didn't experience that pain proved to them that there was a power more powerful than the heroin. And then they, in turn, became those who were on the streets telling their friends that Jesus makes you fat. So these healings, these, these signs that the heroin addicts in Hong Kong saw were a sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, which we will experience in all its fullness when we, we move on to glory, but which we can experience in part here and now as the Spirit gives us these tokens of God's love and grace. The point being that, going back to today's reading, we see that the things which excluded the lepers are removed. And the exile, the outcast, is restored to community with his or her neighbors and with God. You see, in the Old Testament, holiness, purity, was the way in to God. Through Jesus, we now have a new way in to God. And holiness is the way on not the way in. Purity, being clean, not unclean, was the way to gain access to God in the Old Testament. That's why there were so many laws and, and rules uh, in books like Leviticus. But Jesus has done away with all that. It's through his death and resurrection he has made a way to the Father. Holiness and purity remain important, but it's now the way on into a deeper life of faith in Jesus. Jesus says to us, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And God calls us by name. In Isaiah it says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you, Louise. I've called you, Graham. I've called you, Maria. I could go around the room God has called you by name. The astonishing truth of the gospel through faith in Jesus Christ is that we are invited into God's family. God the Father adopts us into his family. We now belong where previously we had no right to be. As Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He, God the Father, destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved Jesus. Adoption speaks of the generous invitation, the radical hospitality and welcome by God the Father into his kingdom and more particularly into his family. 
We're given the right to be called God's son or daughter, God's child. And it's a reminder that we can only enter God's kingdom or family as a child. And adoption bestows on us a new status, the right to call God Father, our Father who art in heaven. And so we find ourselves, like the lepers whom Jesus healed, included where previously we were excluded. And whilst this is intensely personal, its consequences are also communal. For through adoption, we become members of God's family, God's household. We become brothers and sisters to each other. And so what's our response? Like the soul leper, who realized his healing had come through Jesus and returned to give thanks to Jesus, our response should be one of thankfulness, falling at Jesus' feet. And that is in part what we're doing here through our sung worship on a Sunday and through the liturgy of the Eucharist, Eucharist meaning thanksgiving. I think it's also significant that the leper who does return to thank Jesus is a Samaritan. Luke keeps this fact from us in the story right until the the end. And he was a Samaritan. There's a great reveal. And of course, as you may know, there was a great division between Jews and Samaritans, the Samaritans who lived in the northern part of the, of the country, who didn't worship in Jerusalem, but worshipped on Mount uh, Gerizim. Um, they were sort of seen as, a, a, as an offshoot, um, not really quite cutting it. Um, and, and so it's shocking that this Samaritan returns to Jesus. Really, he should be heading off to Mount Gerizim to give thanks, but he recognizes who Jesus is. He recognizes where his healing has come from, and he turns back to give thanks. So what does this mean? It means that the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, no one is excluded from God's grace. The markers, the boundaries, the the differences we think are important are of no consequence to God, Jew, Samaritan, leper, or clean, all have the right to come to God and experience his blessing, his welcome, and inclusion in his family. You may feel, perhaps, excluded and rejected. You may feel, perhaps, unworthy because of things you've done in the past. You may, perhaps, think that that certain types of people shouldn't have a place in the kingdom of God. Or you may not know Jesus. You may think that you have to jump through a lot of hoops to be worthy of his attention and his blessing. The good news of Jesus Christ is that everyone is welcome, just as you are, with all your faults and failings. Holiness is the way on. It's not the way in. Come as you are. It's all about Jesus. So, the Samaritan leper who returned, who thanked Jesus, was cleansed from his leprosy, but he was also brought back from the margins of society, restored to his community. And in his declaration of faith in Jesus, he was brought into the very center of God's activity, the kingdom of God. He was now an adopted son 
of the father, with all the privileges and rights that go with being a family member. And that assurance is for you also today. Perhaps you've been a Christian a long time, but you're unsure of your standing with Jesus. Perhaps when you think about Jesus, he's the far side of the car park, long way away. He knows your name. Jesus says to you, do not worry. And if you don't yet know Jesus, Jesus stands with open arms to welcome you, just as you are. To take that step of faith, to walk towards him, to surrender yourself to him. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And not only will he give you rest, he will give you life in all its fullness. Amen. If you're able to, why don't you stand and I will pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the awesomeness of your gospel. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to jump through hoops to come to you that you stand with open arms, willing to embrace us. That, Lord, you've known us since the foundations of the earth, that you know our name, you know every hair on our head. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for those of us who know you and love you, that you would pour out your love and mercy afresh. That, Lord, you would remind us that we are your brothers and sisters. That we are called into your family. That we stand where previously we had no right to be. Give us more of your spirit, Lord. And for those of you who, if you don't know Jesus, now is the time, if you wish to, to throw yourself on the mercy of God, to surrender your life, your way of doing things to him, to receive his embrace, his love, his acceptance. And if you wish to do that, just do that in your heart right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. people said. Amen. If any of you have thrown yourself on the mercy of the Lord this morning, 
Then um, later on in the service when we're uh, doing the Eucharist, Louise and I will be over by the font over there and do come over um, and introduce yourselves to us so that we can pray for you, um, give you a Bible uh, and encourage you. Uh, and for all the rest of you, 